From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is, wait, wait, don't tell me, the NPR News Quiz. Roses are red, pickles are dill, my last name is Curtis, my middle name's Danger. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Great to be with you. We have a wonderful show for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to Matt Smith. He is the actor famous for playing the Doctor on Doctor Who, the cult favorite show of that name, and Prince Philip in the other cult favorite show, The Crown. So he appeals to both nerds and super nerds, which is basically our demographic. So give us a call with either your cell phone in the TARDIS case or your princess phone and play our games. The number is one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait Wait. Don't tell me. Hi, this is Sarah calling from Durham, North Carolina. How are things in Durham? You know, going well, just rocking and rolling. Rocking and rolling as they always do in North Carolina. What do you do there? Um, I am a student studying electrical and computer engineering and computer science. Oh wow. Now, they, they say that that's like a tough business for women because basically IT people and computer people are sexist jerks. <laughs> Just going to be blunt about it. Does, does that intimidate? And women are so bad at computers. Oh, I no. mean, that's definitely part of it. Oh. Are, you re- are you ready to deal with that, uh, the, the whole bro culture? You know, I'm learning to deal with uh, people of all different sorts and uh, be the best team member that I can. There you go. Good answer. Pretending wow. that I care about sports. There you are. <laughs> also useful. Well, welcome to our show, Sarah. Let me introduce you to our panel. First up, it's the host of the confessional podcast, TBTL, and the public radio variety show, Livewire, which will be at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland on February 21st. It's Luke Burbank. Hello, Sarah. Next, a comedian whose book, Maeve in America, is available wherever you find your books. It's Maeve Higgins. Hi, Sarah. And a comedian you can see at Tommy T's Comedy Club in Pleasanton, California, March 15th and the 16th, Alonzo Bowden. So, Sarah, welcome to the show. Of course, you're going to start us off with Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to recreate for you three quotations from the week's news. Your job, of course, explain or identify just two of them. Do that. You'll win our prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. With all that said, are you ready to start? Yes, I am. Here we go. For your first quote, here is the president. I can't say I'm happy. (laughs) I can't say I'm thrilled. That was the president talking about a deal that he really, really doesn't like, but (laughs) that he's going to sign anyway. The deal to do what? Uh, For border funding to avoid a government shutdown. Exactly right. To keep the government open, avoid a shutdown. Behold, the art of the deal. It turns out it's the kind of art that makes you say, my kid could do that. (laughs) So the Democrats offered, this is how it all played out. This is how a master negotiator works. The Democrats last year offered President Trump about $2 billion for border fencing. And the president said, no, I want $5 billion and I'm going to shut down the government until you give it to me. So he did that. And now he's going to get about $1.4 billion. He negotiates like he's in a limbo contest. (laughs) How low can you go? The president is going to save face. He's going to save face by totally caving in the wall, by declaring a national emergency. 
If you have an emergency, building a big long cement wall is the slowest way to solve it. Right? If you need border security, let's just send all those unvaccinated kids from Washington down there. <laughs> Nobody will go near them. <laughs> 3,700 kids all named Finn yeah. and Hazel. I hate to say it, Peter, but you may have just solved that problem. Right? Yeah, I know. You're just kidding, but somebody's going to hear this and say, hey, hey. we've Border already secure. got the cages. Yeah, no. yeah I said it. Yeah. I said it. So have you noticed this, that the president, as it's become clearer and clearer that he's just not going to get this wall, has done this amazing thing. He simply started saying that he did. So like he told a rally, he, don't, he said to the rally, don't say build the wall, say finish the wall, because we're already building it. No, we're not. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I think what it is, is his handlers, the people around him, just figured out, they said, wait, just tell him that we did build a wall <laughs> and put him back on executive time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not gonna know. He's never gonna go check or exactly. anything. So you're just like, uh, yeah, yeah, that wall. Oh, we finished that wall. Yeah. We're, it's like, and they're gonna we're show working him. on the Canada wall now. Yeah. <laughs> and they're gonna, they're gonna show him, Mr. Mr. President, here are some pictures of your wonderful wall. And he'll say, that's great. It looks amazing. But why are all these Chinese people standing on it? <laughs> Sarah, your next quote was from Twitter. Maybe I had to get out of New York, too. I get it, man. That was a man named Jake Flores commenting on what company that suddenly backed out on its plan to move to New York. Amazon? Amazon, yes! Oh, it happens so often. Amazon came to New York with just a dream and $100 billion in its pocket. And New York said, yeah, a bunch of you clowns get off of Port Authority every day. This is a city that will tolerate three billion rats and regularly sitting and pee in the subway, but Amazon, hell no. <laughs> so it was tough, you know, because they were going to go to New York and all of a sudden New Yorkers got upset and they backed out. It's been a tough week for Jeff Bezos, but at least when it comes to the Amazon New York deal, that's something we can unsee. <laughs> so the deal looked solid. They were going to build this new headquarters in Queens, but New Yorkers were upset that the mayor and the governor gave Amazon these huge tax breaks and a helipad and the right for Jeff Bezos to kidnap any bride on her wedding night. <laughs> so local officials and union guys made such a fuss about it that Amazon said, fine, we'll take her ball, we'll go home. Also, every Alexa in New York is now responding to requests, you know, like, Alexa, what's the weather? By saying, how would I know? I'm not there. <laughs> What's gonna be what's gonna be embarrassing is now that Jeff Bezos is gonna have to like make a late night call to Gary, Indiana. Well that's the thing. Hey, so you know how we had that whole dog and pony show where we made all the other cities try out to be the new headquarters? Chattanooga, you up? Yeah. <laughs> right? Sarah, here is your final quote. It's a sentence of which there is no escape and no return. That was a U.S. district attorney talking about the conviction of what drug lord this week? El Chapo. El Chapo, yes! <laughs> the most feared Mexican drug lord, head of the Sinaloa cartel, was convicted of all counts of drug smuggling and general awfulness. He's now heading for life in prison, but he's known for his remarkable escapes, so this time they are locking the door. <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate. Yeah. 
it was a, it was an amazing trial. It was both a, it was both a trial and a movie about a trial. Uh, El Chapo's mistress testified against him, saying in tears how much she loved him, while his wife watched from the courtroom, and his wife still stood by him the whole time. They even coordinated outfits. This is true. It's a tribute to the power of true love and billions of dollars in drug money. <laughs> I think if your mistress is testifying on your behalf and yeah. your wife is sitting in the courtroom, you're like, hey, Your Honor, can you lock me up for a while? <laughs> <I know. laughs> Uh, there are those, I mean, there, you know, the fact that he's going to jail for presumably the rest of his life, it seems just, but people say it won't make any difference because his whole business is going to be inherited, they say, by his twin sons known as Los Chapitos. <laughs> Los Chapitos sounds silly, but it's no sillier than really El Chapo, which means shorty. That's the most feared drug lord, shorty. And that's silly because he's only 5'6", and it's insulting and inaccurate because 5'6 is well within the normal range. <laughs> I mean, really. Peter, I just love you doing height jokes on radio. I know. <laughs> People know. By the way, this is absolutely true that the American headquarters for El Chapo's syndicate, his whole drug business, was Chicago. It's absolutely true. So are you listening, Amazon? <laughs> We have lots of experience in shipping and receiving, just saying. <laughs> Bill, how did Sarah do in our quiz? Sarah got us off to a great start with a perfect score. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for playing, Sarah. Thank you, goodbye. We want to remind everybody they can join us most weeks right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Illinois. For tickets and more information, go to wbez.org. You can find a link at our website, waitwait.npr.org. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Luke, Chuck E. Cheese, the place your children bring you to torture you, is in a bit of weirdly hot water this week. They actually had to come out and deny <laughs> claims being made on the internet that the pizza they serve is what? Uh, they had to deny claims that they're using pizza that other customers have like thrown out, basically. Exactly right. They had to deny their claims. <laughs> That that's, a, that's a sound of like, oh, yeah, that might have been what happened to that pizza. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so this video gets posted online with pictures of these pizzas served at Chuck E. Cheese that sometimes come in weird shapes. There's like, like, it seems like half of one and a quarter of another and a quarter of another. And it says, clearly, what they're doing is they're taking the pizza that their prior customers don't eat and slapping it on your plate, filling it out with somebody else's pizza, and serving it to you as new pizza. Also, it's made of people. <laughs> But if you go to Chuck E. Cheese for the pizza, don't you deserve that? Exactly. I mean, it's really, it's like, I mean, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, they put out a statement denying it, right? It's not true. We serve fresh pizza to all our guests. But they should have said, look, people, what do you want? Organic artisanal pizza from what is basically a starter casino for your six-year-old? <laughs> Their mascot is a rat, and you're surprised the pizza's used. <laughs> used. <laughs> used. Yeah. Yeah. yeah can they I, just... thought, I thought the rat was going to bring me fresh pizza. <laughs> Coming up, the mother of all Bluff the Listener games called one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. 
With the new Capital One Saver card, you can earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That means 4% on checking out that new restaurant everybody's talking about, and 4% on watching your team win at home. Now when you go out, you cash in. You'll also earn 2% cash back at grocery stores and 1% on all other purchases. What's in your wallet? When Colin Kaepernick stopped standing for the national anthem at NFL games, it sparked a nationwide debate about patriotism and police brutality. In the next through line, we explore three stories of protest that are rarely told, but essential to understanding the current debate. Through Line, the podcast where we go back in time to understand the present. From NPR, then WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Luke Burbank, Maeve Higgins, and Alonzo Bowden. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. Right now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hey, Peter, this is uh, Justin Strickland from the scenic city, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey! <laughs> Have you uh, heard anything from Amazon recently? <laughs> No, no, I don't think we're going to be the home of the uh, headquarters. They'll come back to you. They'll realize what's important in a city. What, what do you do there in Chattanooga? I uh, work in hospitality, but actually I'm a local railroad historian. I've written a book about the train stations in Chattanooga. Wait a minute! Uh, yeah. You write about the Chattanooga choo-choos? Pardon me, boy. Pardon me, boy. I moved here because of the railroad history and uh, wrote the book about it, and uh, the rest is history. Meanwhile, I'm never allowed to promote my books on this show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, Justin. It's nice to have you with us. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. What is the topic, Bill? Mom. Moms, they're not just the people you used to live inside of. They also want to help you. But this week, we heard the story of a mom that maybe went a little too far. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Ready to play? Let's go for it. All right. First up, let's hear from Luke Burbank. A potential disaster was narrowly averted last week when two armed F-18 Hornets were scrambled to respond to an airborne disturbance over an elementary school in the town of Cedro Woolley, Washington. We didn't know if it was going to be Al-Qaeda or aliens, pilot John Bolden told the Skagit Valley Herald. It just looked like a cluster of some kind of small warcraft on the radar. It turned out to be something much more sinister. Five drones being piloted by five different parents watching their kids play during recess. <laughs> Apparently, things started when Jan Saperstein, the mom of Braden, a fourth grader, heard from her son that the other kids were cheating at tetherball. Using a drone camera that her older son, Caden, had, quote, begged for and then never used, not even once, Jan did uncover rampant tetherball and hopscotch cheating and even photo-documented it, sending the drone pics to the school administrators. This led to a number of the accused kids' parents buying their own drones to gather their own evidence. The number eventually grew to five, known in aviation circles as an overparenting of drones. 
The mid-air dogfights that had started breaking out posed a real danger to the students, but it was actually the noise from all those drones that proved to be the final straw. When 87-year-old Lloyd Leyritz, who lived near the school, emerged from his house in full duck-hunting camo and started shooting at the aircraft with a shotgun. That was when the U.S. military got involved, and that was when Mary Purcell Elementary School officially banned all drones. Now, staring daggers across the parking lot during after-school pickup, that is still allowed. <laughs> A drone dogfight as overprotective mothers in Washington State tried to monitor their elementary school kids. Your next story of a mom that can't stop momming comes from Alonzo Bowden. Every grandmother thinks their grandchild is perfect, but if you had the chance, wouldn't you want to make sure before it was too late Roger Cato's mom, <laughs> Lindsay, was delighted when he told her that he and his girlfriend, Wendy, were engaged. But Lindsay became obsessed with one question, and it wasn't the wedding date. What would her future grandchild look like? How about their health? Since Wendy's relatives weren't around, the only solution was to get a sample of Wendy's DNA. <laughs> she thought it would be easy, but as it turned out, her future daughter-in-law is a bit of a germaphobe. Mom offered Wendy a taste of cookie dough, thinking she'd get DNA from the spoon, and Wendy whipped out her own sterilized spoon. <laughs> Mom suggested to Wendy that she looked feverish and offered to take her temperature, but Wendy had her own ear thermometer. Mom tried the direct approach, saying it would be fun for the family to send in their DNA and find out their backgrounds. Wendy's response, those companies keep and sell personal info, so no way. By this point, Lindsay was convinced Wendy was a spy or a mutant or worse. She had to have that sample. Which is why Lindsay Cato, 63, was arrested at 3 a.m. at the offices of a Tustin, California gynecologist in the possession of a stolen urine sample. As a first-time <laughs> offender, Ms. Cato will most likely be sentenced to the minimum six weeks in jail, but having finally gotten Wendy to show her some family pictures, she will spend the time in jail bragging to her cellmates about her tall, blonde future grandchildren with a penchant for athletics. <laughs> a future grandma tries to steal her future daughter-in-law's DNA. And your last story of a grizzly mom comes from Maeve Higgins. Is there anything better than a mother's love? One Maryland mom certainly thinks so. She wants an actual lover's love for her son. The woman's name is unknown, but she was spotted on Tosin University campus, desperately trying to find her son a date. The Baltimore Sun, which is a newspaper, not her actual son, <laughs> reported this week that a woman in her 50s was approaching people and showing them photos of her baby boy, all grown up, and asking them to date him. Chief... <laughs> Chief Charles Herring said her reported behavior may cause concern. He did not specify to whom it would cause concern, but it's widely assumed he meant her absolute virgin of a child. <laughs> University officials say that the woman is not being sought for any criminal investigation, but they do want her to refrain from hustling her son's photo around campus, even if it does have that cute puppy Instagram filter. All right. Somewhere there was a story of an over-interested mother. Was it from Luke Burbank, a mother who sent a drone to monitor her kid at elementary school, leading to a kind of aerial arms race above the playground? From Alonzo, a future grandma who did everything she could, including breaking and entering, to get a genetic sample of her future daughter-in-law. 
or from Maeve, a woman stalking the campus of a university in Maryland trying to find a date for her son. Which of these is the real story of an over-mothering mother? Wow. <laughs> I think it's going to be Maeve's story. I think she's telling the truth. You think Maeve is telling the truth? That's the one about the mother who's trying to find her son a date. pictures. Well, we could not find the mother in question, but we did speak to a reporter who was covering this story. A woman in her 50s was going around campus with a picture on her phone of her son, and she was asking people if they'd be willing to find a date for him. That was George Solis. He's a reporter for WJZ 13 in Baltimore, talking about the mom trying to find her son a date at Towson University. Is that the train? I think it's a train. I think, yes. We're on a train now. Anyway, you have figured it out. It was, in fact, Maeve who is telling the truth. You have won our prize and a point for Maeve. Congratulations. Thank you for two-two-choosing me. <laughs> Take care, Justin. And now the game where people who've done an awful lot of things, well, they do something else. Matt Smith first became world famous playing the iconic British TV character, The Doctor on Doctor Who. Then he got more famous by playing Prince Philip on the TV series, The Crown. Now he's playing the role of the famously transgressive photographer, Robert Maplethorpe, before playing Charlie Manson. We're beginning to suspect <laughs> he's not actually any of those people, but instead some kind of actor. <laughs> Matt Smith, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you very much. So uh, the place to start is who are your more obsessive fans? Are the fans of you as the Doctor <laughs> or as Prince Philip on the Crown? Both hugely oh popular shows. God, there's only one winner. Yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. Doctor Who fans. Well, you were, yeah. you were, you were uh, as I understand it, the youngest person to take over the role of the Doctor. It was about 2010 when you did that. And, and you're, uh, for people who don't know, the Doctor has been played over the course of 50 years by a bunch of different actors, and there's a conceit that he regenerates, and he, gets, he becomes a different person, obviously. Did, yeah. And, and your, your Doctor seemed to be having a lot of fun. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, he is. He's, you know, he's an alien, but that's what's so great about that, is it gives you carte blanche to be very inventive. Like yeah. most other like characters, if you take Philip, for example, to, to get from A to Z, you've got to go through C, D, you've got to get to F, whatever, but with a doctor, he can just go A, Z, back, you know, and it doesn't really matter. He can skip all the letters of the alphabet. We lost a lot sense. of those letters during the government shutdown. Yeah, Matt. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, the government <laughs> shutdown, I mean, blimey, guys. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just going to, before you get all high and mighty, your country's about to fall off the edge of the earth. So. <laughs> you, you, know what's, you know what's funny, of course, Matt, if Doctor Who were real, none of this ever would have happened. I know, he I would know. Have, he would have yeah. popped in. Um, so you, you go from Doctor Who, this incredibly popular pop culture thing, to playing yeah. Prince Philip, who is a very real person. So yeah. ha did you guys working in the show ever get anything back from the actual royal family about how they felt about how you were depicting them? I think that Philip was asked if he'd, w if he'd watched it and he just turned around and said, don't be ridiculous, which I thought was very good. Yes. Um, so sadly, you've been phased out. I, I, want, I want to get to your movie, of course. You've been phased out of The Crown because they're aging you out. You're going to be replaced by a, an older actor, Tobias Menzies. Did you argue with him? You say, I can be old and decrepit. 
No, God, no. It, you know, two years is enough. You know, if they get that right and change it, cause, uh, like, every two years, I think it will be a marvellous achievement. It'll be wonderful. I'm looking forward to the first season of the next episode when, of course, uh, Prince Philip dies and regenerates as Tobias Menzies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Different yeah, costume. So, and then uh, I just want to talk to you about your latest film, which is Maplethorpe, that's out now, in which you play Robert Maplethorpe. Again, a very real person. He was uh, a f uh, an infamous photographer. Did you decide, like, okay, I'm going to play this, this gay, promiscuous guy who did hardcore sort of photography as art? Did you say, like, I will show all the people who love me as Prince Philip and Doctor Who? It was is, like, distinctively trying to do something different? No, it wasn't that that much of a considered choice, really. It was just, you know, the script was around, and and I found him very interesting. I loved New York in the seventies, and he had a propensity to be quite cruel and quite difficult, and I was interested in that. And so, and so, after playing a very difficult and and, and complicated figure like Robert Maplethorpe, you decided to do something light and play Charlie Manson. Yeah, <laughs> he's the one actually out of all the people that I've played that are real that having played them and, and, and sort of left them behind after it, he's the one that I go, I still can't really work out. You know, I've got a sense of Philip, I've got a sense of Robert, but Manson is someone I go, I don't really know where his truth lies. And the one thing I sort of took away from him was I just went, he's just really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably, no one's ever said that about him, I think. So w w it's a delight to talk to you. There's so many things to talk about. We have a game to play, but there is a question, and we ask this, I don't know if you know our show, we ask this of all our guests, it's sort of a tradition. Have you ever been stung in the testicles by a wasp? Yes. Oh! <laughs> Finally, we God. got one. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about it. Well, I mean, it's funny that you asked that question because Yes, I have. I mean, <laughs> briefly, I, I was in a moment of passion in the outdoor arena, as it were. Um, and uh, in said moment of passion and ecstasy and joy and all that stuff, I was stung on the bollocks by a wasp. Yeah. <laughs> And, and um, I got up and ran around, and, and you know, it was, uh, it was both uncomfortable and, with hindsight, funny. But at the time, <laughs> I was just afraid. Well, Matt Smith, we're all delighted to talk to you and could all day, but it is time to play a game, as we do with everyone. Wonderful. And this time, we're calling the game... You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. So you play uh, Prince Philip in The Crown, but what do you know yeah. about the true prince, Prince? We're going to ask you three questions about the purple one, blessed be he. Get two right and you won our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Matt Smith playing for? Cody Benjamin of Atlanta, Georgia. This month's winner and the Wait, Wait quiz available on your smart speaker. All right, here we go. Now, Prince was Prince's real name. He was born Prince Rogers Nelson. But when he was very young, he preferred to be called by a nickname. What was it? A, Sex Monster. <laughs> B, Beto. <laughs> or C, Skipper. Beto? Yes. I'm going to go with B. You're going to go with B. <laughs> we should have anticipated you being British and not knowing about him. Um, <laughs> no, I'm afraid the answer was Skipper. Prince? Skipper. Skipper. Bugger. When he was a child, you know, like, call me Skipper, he'd say. He later decided to be Prince again. Prince uh, got an early break as a musician when he was hired to open for the Rolling Stones at a concert in L.A. in 1981, but it didn't go well. What happened? A, Mick Jagger looked at him and said, nobody goes on stage who's skinnier than I am. 
B, fans chased him off stage by throwing garbage at him. Or C, Prince announced his set by saying, sorry, but it all goes downhill after I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was what? So it was B. It was B. <laughs> oh. So, yes, it was B. They chased him off the stage with garbage, and he was very upset. But it was two nights, and they said, don't worry about it. That was crazy. We're so sorry. Go on the second night, and it will be fine. And he went on the second night, and they chased him off the stage with garbage again. <laughs> But wow. he got his vengeance by becoming amazingly Prince. successful and popular. All right. Yeah. Last question. If you get it right, you win. Prince once later in his life gave NBA star Carlos Boozer a check for half a million dollars just to apologize for something that Prince had done to him. What had Prince done? A, he once criticized Boozer's playing style on the basketball court by saying more like Carlos Snoozer. Am I right? B, when Prince rented Boozer's home, he turned Boozer's bedroom into a hair salon without asking. Or C, at the 2007 NBA All-Star Weekend, Prince hooked up with Boozer's girlfriend, Boozer's ex-girlfriend, and then Boozer's mom. <laughs> God, I wish, I wish it was C, but it's B. It is B, yes. Matt. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Boozer rented Prince his, his L.A. mansion. Prince totally redecorated it, made the bedroom into a hair salon. Boozer's like, what'd you do? Prince said, oh, here, here's half a million dollars. I'm sorry. But then Prince totally redid the house back to the way it was, and Boozer gave the half million back. Are we sure C didn't happen? <laughs> As far, we have no evidence of it, but it's entirely possible. Bill, how did wow. Matt Smith do in our quiz? He would make Prince Philip proud. He got two out of three, so you're yeah. a winner, Matt. Congratulations, yeah. Matt. Nice. Matt Smith's new movie, Maplethorpe, is in theaters March 1st. He's also, no matter what he tells you now, a time lord. Matt Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and wait, wait, thank you. Thank you. Matt, thank you. Thank you, sir. In just a minute, Bill reveals the secret to his youthful complexion in the Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. We'd like to take a moment to thank and share a message from our sponsor, Nature's Way, offering quality herbal supplements since 1969. They believe that nature knows best, which is why it has always been their mission to seek out the best herbs the earth has to give. Nature's Way is committed to going to any continent or country to find where herbs grow best. Find out more at naturesway.com. Castlemont High is different from a lot of other high schools. This student, he got shot four times. I was just standing outside and like, heck of bullets. He held the gun up to my head. I'm Sam Sanders. One year after Parkland, we talk to kids who face gun violence every single day. Listen on It's Been a Minute from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Maeve Higgins, Luke Burbank, and Alonzo Bowden. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill lights some candles and gets rhythmic. 
<laughs> in our listener Limerick Challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. All right, guys. Some questions about the week's news. Alonzo, the Wall Street Journal reports that kids today are confused and mystified whenever they encounter what? <coughs> kids are confused and mystified today by there's so so much just. It's something you and I are used to, but kids these days, as they say, have had very little experience with it, so they don't know what it is when it shows up in front of them. Oh, they're confused by cash. Yes, they're confused by currency. Store owners report children being bewildered by currency, paper and coins, and parents say they have to teach their kids how to identify money. Well, it's the thing with all the old white men on it. No, no, not the U.S. Senate. <laughs> With most shopping being done online and more and more stores not even accepting cash, kids just never see actual currency. In fact, there's a new edition of Monopoly that doesn't even have cash. It has little debit cards for each player. That's true. Again, Peter, I, you know, I hate to be the cultural one whenever yeah. I'm here. Yeah. But I just don't think black kids are confused by money. Really? <laughs> I, <laughs> I just think... You know, you, you go to a black child or a Latino child and say, here's some money, they're going to be like, thank you. They're not going to be like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be going up. What is this money thing you speak of? Oh, no. Should it, I blow my nose upon it? Yeah, yeah. that's not going to happen. Think about but if, if we lose money, just money, it all goes away eventually. Think of the traditions that will be lost. Young kids standing in front of a wishing well, they close their eyes, they make a wish, and then they throw your iPhone down it. <laughs> Maeve, as high winds affected the Midwest this week, the National Weather Service issued a warning for people with what? Tornado warning. No, no, no. <laughs> they issued, I mean, they're saying to people, you have to oh, watch yeah, for this, okay. you have to, but especially oh, very light pe people. No, well. <laughs> with, um, yes. with light, you know how some people have heavy bones or whatever? Yeah. So they issued a... A warning. That's been people. my excuse my entire life. <laughs> no, seriously, the, uh, you're, you're almost there. People with, yeah. people with light. Oh, balloons. People holding balloons. Yes. <laughs> yes, Midwesterners, Pink. do not be going outside in the, in the tornado with... <laughs> no, people who have something that they might care about that might get blown away. Oh, uh, oh my, a little dog. Yes, a little dog. That's exactly right. Oh, my God. Hey. This city. Hang on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you wear a shih tzu as a hat. <laughs> Cute. This week, oh, it's adorable. This week, the National Weather Service warned that in some parts of the Midwest, wind gusts might be strong enough to carry away smaller pets. So Wasn't while there the, a movie about that? Yeah. You are in Kansas now, Toto. Exactly. Yeah. You started in Chicago. <laughs> while the Midwest struggles with these windy conditions, the East Coast is enjoying an influx of free dogs. <laughs> Dognado. Actually, the NWS tweeted out a picture of a little dog getting blown away. Watch out, they said. Woo. The photo was adorable and hilarious and undoubtedly inspired pet owners to throw caution to the winds. That is, pet owners who had named their chihuahuas Caution. <laughs> <laughs> Fly Caution. Luke, a new study shows that if you want your son to behave in school, you should really avoid doing what? Um, do, uh, can I get a hint? Well, I'm afraid to say your parents absolutely did this to you, Luke. Oh, don't name them Luke? Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> the study looked at the behavior of over 60,000 elementary school kids, and they found there was a correlation between the kids and the names they had. For example, kids named Adam 
were generally well behaved, whereas Luke's got into more trouble. Don't worry though, they said as long as their last name is not a city in Southern California, they'll be fine. <laughs> it, it, there is one name that did worse, Luke, so don't feel bad, although I confess I've never met someone named Murder Boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, uh, that explains a lot, Peter. Did you feel mischievous and angry when, because you were Luke? People I would say Luke and you go, what? I did not like my name at all, but I got on a like a baseball team where we got jackets with yeah. our names stitched in them. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to change my name as soon as I grow out of this jacket. And then I was done growing because I was like 16. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so I'm still Luke. You're yeah. welcome. Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait, that's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. You can click the contact us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows, usually here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, and our upcoming show in San Antonio, Texas, on April 11th. And if you like our show, but wish it was four minutes long and you were the only guest, check out our interactive game on your smart speaker. Just ask your Alexa or Google device to open the Wait Wait quiz and be a star. You might even win a prize. All right, you are on Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter, this is Rebecca from New York City. Hey, Rebecca, how are things in New York? Uh, well, it was snowing a couple days ago, and tomorrow it's going to be 56 degrees, so can't really make up its mind. I know. What do you do there? I'm an archivist. An archivist? What, cool. kind, of, what kind of archives do you work in? I work at a Jewish nonprofit. Oh, yes. Okay. And so you're, you're, you're archiving all their archives. Pretty much. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Rebecca. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly on two of the limericks, you will be a winner. You ready to play? I guess so, yeah. Let's All right, go. here is your first limerick. Kim Kardashian seems filled with bile. Her skin's placidness she won't defile. When lips and eyes twinkle, that placidness crinkles. So to fight it, she simply won't... Smile. Yes, Smile. exactly right. Yeah. right. This week, Kim Kardashian revealed her secret for preventing wrinkles, quote, never smile. <laughs> That's what she says. She said, how is that possible? How can you go through life never smiling? Well, step one, marry a crazy person. Did you see what said person did for Valentine's yes, Day? Yes, it was remarkable. It was on Twitter. She put it on Twitter. Tell us about it, Luke. Uh, apparently, Kanye West, to celebrate Valentine's Day with his wife, uh, he uh, hired Kenny G and then surrounded Kenny G in a room of roses, single roses in like little single vases. Mm -hmm. The whole room is just roses, vases, and Kenny G playing whatever that instrument is that he plays. Yeah. Can you imagine doing that for your wife and she doesn't smile? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rebecca, here is your next limit. Since corruption is hard to proscribe, a harsh uniform change will contrive. Now Kenya's police have no palms left to grease. Without pockets, they can't take a... Bribe? Indeed, yeah. yes, there's a problem, apparently. In Kenya, with police accepting bribes, but several sources are reporting they have a fix. They're just going to remove the pockets from police uniforms. The perfect deterrent 
With no one to put their illicit wads of cash, the problem is solved. <laughs> Officer Smith, welcome back from patrol. And why are you clenching that way? <laughs> now, there's a reason to give up cash. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Here is your last limerick. As snowstorms are starting to wail in Portland, the grocery stores fail. The shelves are wiped clean of dark leafy greens. The Northwest has run out of... Kale. Yes, indeed, yes. kale. Very good. A huge snowstorm hit the Pacific Northwest, and Portland residents, faced with the possibility of losing power for days, if not weeks, thought, man, I should really find a way to make this situation even more unbearable. And they went out and they bought all the kale they could. As we all know, human beings can survive 48 hours without water and forever without kale. <laughs> so we saw pictures of organic grocery stores in Portland that had been ransacked by people preparing for this storm, and all the kale and avocados were gone. Left untouched, bread and milk, or as they call them in Portland, gluten bricks and, ew, gross, milk. <laughs> there was also just a kind of a table full of smallpox vaccines. <laughs> Perfectly intact, nobody no, no, had touched. No, Bill, how did Rebecca do in our quiz? One, one, one. Rebecca, you did very well. Congratulations, Rebecca. Thank you. Take care, and thanks for playing. Bye-bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, developing solutions to support strong families and communities to help ensure a brighter future for America's children. More information is available at aecf.org. Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? I can. Alonzo and Luke each have three. Maeve has two. All right. Maeve, you're in third place. You're up first. The clock mm -hmm. will start when I begin your first question, fill-in-the-blank. On Wednesday, a judge ruled that former Trump campaign manager Blank had violated his plea deal. Uh... I want to say Tyler Durden, but I know that's wrong. <laughs> no, it was Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort. After yeah, being yeah. rebuked by congressional Democrats, Blank apologized for her remarks about Israel. Ilan Omar. Yes. This week, the Blank rose above $22 trillion for the first time ever. Um, the economy? No, the national debt. After spending 15 years on Mars, NASA announced that the Blank rover had finally died. The Mars rover? I kind of said it was on Mars, so I'm looking... <laughs> I'm looking for the name of the What room. I would say is, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you don't apparently know the name of the rover. Is that relevant here? <laughs> Strangely, yes. It was the Opportunity rover. The Opportunity to lose this round. <laughs> to show their solidarity, a store in Denver offered striking teachers there blank. Lessons. No, discounted weed. This week, George Clooney and Brad Pitt mm -hmm. signed a letter demanding Oscars for cinematography and editing not be given out during blank. Ocean's Eleven. No. Ocean's Twelve. 
No, during commercials in the Oscar broadcast, oh. police were able to arrest three bank robbers after Blank overheard them planning their heist. Their moms. No, <laughs> they were overheard by the Uber driver they had hired to drive them to the bank. <laughs> he was their getaway driver. Uh, not quite. They hired this Uber guy to drop, bring him to the bank, and on the way, they discussed entry routes, escape plans, which of them would carry <laughs> the gun. Naturally, as soon as he dropped them off, the driver called the police. The men were arrested as soon as they walked into the bank. <laughs> great news for the bank and its customers, but terrible news for, and this is true, for the other Uber they had called as their getaway car. <laughs> Bill, how did Maeve do in our quiz? One right, total of four points, and she's sitting on four in first place. In first place! For the moment. We have flipped a coin and Luke has elected to go next, so Luke, fill in the blank. On Tuesday, the Senate heard testimony that blank had made little to no change in its nuclear capabilities. Uh, North Korea. Right. For the third time this month, former Trump lawyer blank delayed his congressional testimony. Manafort. <laughs> Cohen. Yes, Michael Cohen. This week, the U.S. accused a former Air Force intelligence specialist of spying for blank. Uh, Iran. Right. On Tuesday, retired astronaut Mark Kelly announced he would run for a Senate seat in blank. Arizona. Right. This week, a man in Indiana had the opportunity to make some quick cash when he was offered $200 to blank. Leave Indiana. No, to not call the police on the guy he just caught robbing his house. <laughs> Childish Gambino, Casey Musgraves, and Cardi B were the big winners at this year's blank awards. Grammys. Right. A woman in Florida was being criticized after she was caught blanking while riding in the back of a motorcycle. Uh... <laughs> Sleeping. No, she was caught shaving her legs in the back of a moving motorcycle. <laughs> I hate that I knew that one and I didn't get that question. She was filmed and went viral. She was wearing just a bathing suit. She was uh, filmed shaving her legs with one hand and holding what looks like a beer in the other while riding a motorcycle. It's actually a pretty impressive feat, not nearly as impressive as the driver of the motorcycle who was steering the bike with one hand and shaving his back with the other. <laughs> Bill, how did Luke do in our quiz? He got five right, 10 more points, a wow. total of 13. All right, that was impressive, so. He's in the lead. How many then does Alonzo need to win? Well, he needs five to tie and six to win. All right, Alonzo, this it's is for tough. the game. It's Fill tough. the blank. On Monday, a TV news cameraman was attacked at a Trump rally in blank. El Paso? Yes. This week, Brock Long, the embattled blank administrator, announced his resignation. Brock Long, the... You know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, the FEMA administrator. On Monday, Utah's Republican-led legislature passed a bill curbing a blank expansion approved by voters in 2018. Uh, airport? No, Medicaid expansion. On Tuesday, a wire fox terrier named King won top honors at the blank. Uh, the Westminster Kennel yes. Show. Yes, Westminster Dog Show. According to a new study, drinking two or more beverages with artificial blank a day may increase the risk of heart attack or stroke. Uh, diet sodas? Yeah, artificial sweeteners. Police in Ontario were called to break up a brawl after two women began arguing over blank. Could you come up with a broader question than something two women would start arguing over? I mean... <laughs> That's a very specific one. Two women in Ontario, would it be Ontario, Canada, or Ontario, Ontario California? Ontario, Canada. <laughs> Justin Trudeau? No, they started fighting. They had a big fight over bingo seats at their retirement home. Oh. The fight started when the two women aged 79 and 86 both wanted the same chair for bingo night. Neither was willing to back down, and then somebody threw a punch, and the entire bingo game turned into a bingo brawl, prompting a call to police. No one was injured. When one woman knocked out the other woman's teeth, she simply picked them up and put them back <laughs> Bill, did Alonzo do well enough to win? Well, he got three right. Six more points, total of nine, but that means Luke is the champion this Luke. week. 
In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists how will Amazon get back at New York for rejecting them. But first, thanks once again to Farmhouse Tavern in Chicago for feeding us the carrots were particularly choice. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions. Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary DeOlio. Our interns are Alex McOwen and Rachel Klepper. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced every week by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. Bill Curtis was played by Peter Gwynn. Technical direction <laughs> from Lorna Wyatt. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog, and the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, how will Amazon get back at New York for rejecting them? Luke Burbank. If anyone from New York tries to order something via Amazon, it'll just be like, new phone, who this? <laughs> Maeve Higgins. And Amazon is going to break the subway. They're going to make the city's state-of-the-art MTA unreliable and slow, and they're going to fill it full of rats. <laughs> That'll show them Alonzo Bowden. Amazon is going to buy Manhattan and give it back to the Native Americans for $24. <laughs> Well, if any of that happens, we're going to ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Luke Burbank, Maeve Higgins, and Alonzo Bowden. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagal, and we'll see you next week. This is NPR.